It's time for Speaking of Speaking, quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. It is another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. We are so thrilled to be here. You know, we recently celebrated our 100th episode. After listening to this one, go back and check out that one. That one was was amazing. So uh, certainly celebrate with us as we continue to give you tips and tricks on speaking and business as well. And today is no exception. Today, we are joined by Simon Severino. He is the author of Strategy Sprints and Habits of Success. He's the CEO of Global Consultants strategy sprints. He's also contributed to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine. He's spoken on the TEDx stage, and uh, he's the number one speaker on agile strategy and agile sales. Today, we are going to be talking about the three CEO habits. And this is timely because I know when a lot of people step into the arena and they want to be speakers, that's great. But uh, there's also stepping into the CEO role as well as they do that. So Simon, welcome to Speaking of Speaking. Hey, Carl. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. So first off, I have to ask you, because I've spoken on the TEDx stage probably about, I don't know, five or six years ago. How was your experience on the stage? I wasn't on the stage. My experience with TEDx was, it was always a dream of mine to be to have a TED Talk. Like probably everybody listening, right? Oh, I want to have a TED Talk. Yeah. How cool would that be? And so I did that and my, my team reached out to, to Ted. And at some point I got one invite to Shanghai. And then I said, no, I don't fly from Europe to Shanghai just to talk for less than an hour, you know? Right. And so I turned, I turned it down. And because in that year, my, my priority was family. I have small kids. I don't fly for, for small gigs. The next thing came, it was during the pandemic and these times it was. TEDx and they said you can do it online. I said, I'm in. <laughs> and so I was at home. I was rehearsing and I did, I think, 10 iterations. And I I did send it to my mastermind. I have a mastermind of my favorite people, which is basically my board of advisors. And I, I did send like five versions in and I, I got feedbacks and I did the next iteration. And then I delivered it from the comfort of my home. I had forgotten that for the for a couple of years there because of the pandemic that yeah TED TEDx was virtual. I'd forgotten about that. So thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but certainly great that you had that experience. Phenomenal. Let's talk about the role of a, of a CEO and and the three CEO habits that people should be focusing on. Uh, firstly, how did you come to these these three CEO habits? Was this something that in your own business you've you've worked on as well? I said before, I don't fly for small gigs. This is something that was a process. It, this, it, this is an evolution over 21 years of, of doing what I do, which is helping people scale. And so in the beginning, I was the operations, right? I was the thing, the coach that helps. Right. And so the evolution to becoming a CEO was really first acknowledge that if I continue being the medicine, being the operations, then I'm the first bottleneck because you cannot be on Paris, in on, on, a, on a stage in Paris and on a stage in New York the same day. So you start limiting your business. And so as a CEO, you go, hmm, 
you shouldn't be on stage. Or at least can we find a scalable way? Like, can we have multiple online stages and conferences and events? Because then we can run 10 a day. Now it's a little bit more scalable, right? So as a CEO, you look for scalability, for resilience, and you look for systems growth, not for singular singular individual performance, but you look for overall performance of the system. And now you say, well, what's the system? Well, the system, even if you are a solopreneur, you have marketing systems, you have sales systems, you have operation systems, and you have management systems and growth systems. But those are the minimum that you have. And even if you go, no, 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 I don't have any of that. I'm just a speaker. Yeah, you still have all of those. That's why it's so stressful. You might just not have them, you know, mapped out and systemized and, and working to support you and working even without you, because that's the next shift from business operator to business owner. So the first one is you are the medicine. The second is you become the CEO, start optimizing the whole thing, not just the parts. And you are a part. And the third step is from CEO to business owner, which is the next again. How can I systemize it in a way that is resilient and that works even without me? So you want your business to be sellable at any time. Doesn't mean that you plan to sell it, but you want it to be sellable anytime for your dream multiple, for your dream number, because if you don't manage it in a way that's sellable, it will probably eat you up. We have a lot of clients who are speakers. They are on five stages per day and they have to fly there. So today you are in LA. You deliver the speaking. Yeah, you get 20K, 25K, and you think it's a lot of money. It's not, because from there, you have to prepare a day. You have to get there a day. From there, you have to fly to New York. You have to prepare a day. You have to get there a day. So even on the plane, you are not relaxing. You are preparing the next slides because you cannot deliver the same the same slides every day. They, they won't book you again. You cannot do that. And so you are preparing again. You are now in New York. And the next day, you are in Paris. So... You are miserable. Your team is miserable. You forget stuff. You are inspiring a lot of people, but nobody is solving your problems. Do you find that that people who use the term or refer to the term CEO, because because I've done this before, that they're only thinking of it in a in the sense of what the title means and not what the role means or the steps that you that you've suggested need really need to be taken? Oh yeah, let's define it. So. You start a business out of passion and it's, yeah. and, and while you do that, you don't call yourself that way, but you run now the marketing team, you run the sales team, you, you run the operations team and you manage the whole thing. So these four parts, you are those four hats. And I'm not even talking about IT and legal, et cetera. Let's just simplify the, the biggest parts, right? And then at some point you become the bottleneck. So this is from this moment, this is where CEO becomes a relevant function in the system, even if you're, if it's just one person, even if, even if you're a solopreneur, because you are at risk of not being in love with your business anymore if you just do this four departments thing all the time. Now, you know, your friends, your spouse, everybody will start going, hey, I, I miss you. And then you will miss yourself because you are on planes all the time. And then maybe, okay, maybe you are now moving the needle forward from 400,000 per year to 450,000 per year, but you are getting more more and more miserable all the time and your friends uh, miss you and your life misses you and you miss your life. 
So that's the moment when this word CEO becomes important because now you don't think just from, you know, from the operations, from the client perspective, but you think also, hey, who is managing my business? Who is taking care that these things scale, that they work without me, that they work when I'm on holidays, that it's sellable? It sounds like what you're describing is hugely, and and I, I come from the corporate world, spent a number of years working in the corporate world. It sounds like what you're referring to is delegation. Like at some point you have to not wear four, six, or eight hats. I mean, I know people who are the CEO, quote, air quotes of their business, but they do everything. They do their own books. They do their own accounting. They maybe even file their own taxes and they do the speaking and they do the marketing and, 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 and the coaching and all of that stuff. Uh, So it sounds like at some point in order to, as you've indicated, stay in love with your business and feel that you can go on holidays, actually not just feel you can go on holidays, but actually go on holidays, <laughs> that you really need to at some point, and this is maybe a scary part, um, even if you're, I don't want to say just a speaker and downplay it, but even if you know speaking is just one part of what you do, you still need to be able to step away, but you need to be able to delegate. And that can be a scary piece. It is because you don't learn that that's cool. And so unless you come from the corporate world, you, you actually never learned it. A little bit harder uh, from from a startup, from a small business, because everything lands on your desk first. The first thing is, okay, you got to do it. The first couple of years, it's sure. you. Okay, do it. Do it a couple of times. But as soon as it works, as soon as it worked 10 times, write it down. That's an SOP, a standard operating procedure. Just five sentences. This is what I do first. Then I do this. Then I do this. Then I do this. Now that you've written it down, now you can hand it over. And that's a good delegation. The other thing that you need to take care of, now that you have handed it over and the quality is low or it's too slow for your feeling, you know, "Ah, I could do this faster. Let me take this back. That's the only thing you're not allowed to do. You don't take it back. You coach, you ask, all right, how can you speed this up? So right. you start asking questions without taking it back onto your plate. That's that's the process of, of delegation. It's doing it. So creating the process, then writing down the process, then handing over the process, and then not allowing back delegation. In your experience, having worked with people to level up their CEO role, so to speak, how often do you find that they are slipping back into doing it themselves as opposed to just redelegating does that does that happen often all the time so that's that's why they sprint with us right this is what we do every day we have dozens of solopreneurs who say i had already almost a team but then so yes it's easy to fall back and that's why you have to create systems not just hire people and now you have four people around you and you think that's a team. What constitutes a team is really that you have those departments and really written down, okay, who does marketing? Okay, you are the marketing person. Who does sales? You are the salesperson. What's the difference? Oh, well, marketing starts conversation, gets people on the calendar, sales close them, and then operations. And what's the job of operations? It's delivering what sales promised. And then there is, you know, CEO or management, what's their job? vision, culture, hiring, firing, and performance systems. That's it. That's their job. 
and growth, right? joint ventures, branding, growth related stuff. Right. So you define those things. And then now you put people in those roles and now you have a team. The next thing, you, you need a cadence per week of meetings. Some people tell me they have meetings all the time. Like, when do you work? Other people tell me they have never meeting, they have no meetings. And then how do I align? You cannot align. You cannot know what everybody's doing. So the, there needs a minimum structure of meetings and it should, there is a specific flow of things so that you bring information from one to the other that you work with, you decide on. So on, on Monday, you will have short orientation meetings about, you know, who's doing what this week and what's the focus, like a huddle. And then somewhere around Thursday, you will measure an analytics, a quick analytics meeting where you just measure what's working and what's not. So that on Friday, when you have, again, a full team meeting, you can really review and learn where are we winning, where are we not, what do we more of, what do we less of. And then you set, in, in our methodology, everything is in chunks of seven days. It's the strategy sprint. So you have always three goals for the next 90 days. And every week moves towards those three goals. And so there's a dashboard with those three goals and you see the completion percentage and it's visual, it's simple. And on Monday we say, all right, what do we need to do uh, in order to hit that? And who does what? Okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. Okay, do you need me? No. Okay, do you need me? Yeah, let's talk a little bilaterally. Okay, let's go. Boom. And then they go. And then we do things to raise the energy and to raise the emotion in the team, like role plays or sales games, etc. Things that raise the energy in the room and make them love, ah, let's go. And then everybody does. And then on, on, on Thursday, numbers starts to come in. And then on Friday, everybody learns. Everybody refocuses and picks the next focus for the next week. That's a cycle. If you have this kind of cycle, then now you have team flow, which means peak state, high emotion, focus, and alignment. And these are the elements of flow. You want to have flow in a team, then they are unstoppable. Yeah, the team meetings I find are are a, a crucial element, and and like you said, it it not only is it a chance to check in, but it's an opportunity to, like you say, create that. You know, what are we working on this week, or what's the what's the flow, and then constantly assessing where are we at, and what's the next what's the next piece, what's the next thing we're working on. So if I'm a solopreneur and I'm realizing that, let's say I'm two to three years in. I'm doing the marketing piece myself. I'm doing the speaking. I'm doing everything, right? I'm a solopreneur. What's the first thing or what are some of the first things that I should consider? And this is not just me. I mean, I've, I've done some of this already, but I'm talking about, you know, from for, for people who are listening to this, this show, what are some of the first things that they should consider removing from their plate that they should be, cons- that they should start delegating? Yeah, we do the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. And the daily habit is write down how how did you spend your time today and what will you delegate tomorrow? So that's a daily practice. It's pretty simple. They do it on their iPad or on, on a piece of paper or on a spreadsheet with different versions for different types. And so they write down, okay, today I did 8 o'clock, I did this, 9 o'clock, I did this. And then in the evening before they close the day and start the next day, it asks them, what will you delegate tomorrow? What gave you energy? What took energy? What was on the business? What was in the business? And if you would live more freely and more intentionally 
What will you do tomorrow? It's a five minutes review. And then they create the flow of tomorrow. And so that's the daily practice. If everybody does that, now everybody is a leader. Whatever their position is, whatever their sure. role is, they are now a leader because they're doing stuff, but they are, they are also improving stuff, right? Changing stuff, changing the way they do stuff, learning from how they do stuff. So there isn't a, a magical wave your magic wand and you know just delegate this one or two things because that's what you should do next. It's an actual process that's daily, at least at the beginning, until you figure out what those things are you need to delegate. Yes, it's a daily process and it never stops. If, if I just share my journey, in, in the first years, I was doing everything. And then year one, I identified with the daily flow. All right, bookkeeping is easy to outsource, outsourced. And everything around following up on invoices, outsourced. Then the next thing was to hire an executive assistant because I saw that I'm doing my own admin. So admin delegated. Then I saw hmm, marketing. Do I really need to do marketing? Marketing delegated. Then marketing started hiring marketing people and they are have now a marketing team, right? And they are hiring themselves. I don't even know everybody in that team. Then I still was doing sales and operations. So I fired myself from operations and I started a certification program. So I was teaching my colleagues and they would become certified strategy sprints coaches. So now the bottleneck was gone of this one person on stage. And now you had the method with multiple people living the method in different countries, in different industries. So that was delegating or outsourcing or getting myself out of operations, right? Then the last part was sales. I was doing only sales in the last part. Mm -hmm. And um, this is how you go the process. Now, of course, you could write down this and then say, everybody has to do this in that order. I don't think it's correct. And you might even go to people and say, oh, in year one, you have to delegate the bookkeeping. And in year two, I don't think it is. it works if you prescribe it because they have to feel the urge to get rid of it. And they have to mm. feel that it's the right thing for scaling. And unless, unless you don't have those both, you will not do it. So you have to see that it's wasting your time and you have to see that it's the next step needed for scaling. And um, and you know what happens when you're on that next level? You have to do it all again on the next level of complexity. You have to systemize, outsource everything again on the next level of complexity. And then you have to, and then again, everything would break at some point, you know, from, from zero to a million. Now your processes break. You have to completely disrupt them, create new processes to make 10 millions. And, and where you reach 100 million, all these processes break again, and you have to start doing them, creating them, writing them down, handing them over again. So it's a continuous evolution where you move on a higher level of complexity management and systemize until it breaks. Then you go up, systemize until it breaks. This is how you evolve and expand and roll out over the planet. And the daily process is is part of every of every phase of that, correct? Yes. Every day, you just write down eight, nine, et cetera, and you right. identify again. Because in year three, the right thing for you might be to write a book. But then in year four, maybe it's joint ventures with 50 small joint venture partners. But then maybe in year seven, you say, no, 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 let's pick one big. Like our joint venture partner this year is Google. 
So my job is just having this one joint venture partner. That's it. And next year, who knows? I don't know yet. I will find out next year what's the right thing to do for me. So, so it isn't just a magical solution. There, it's it's not one size fits all. It it's dependent on the business. It's uh, I'm assuming it also is depending on because some people's, if I can use this expression, zone of genius, they might want to hold on to certain things because they can do that, but certain things that they already know they can't do. And and you mentioned obviously maybe bookkeeping, but maybe somebody is good at bookkeeping and can do it, but they can't do the marketing piece or they they can't do the social media posts and they can't do all of those other, you know, some of those other elements, but they don't mind doing the bookkeeping for now. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the first thing, but but for you, you found that was, but it's not a one size fits all that. It's not, it's a process and ev- everybody has their unique path and their unique journey yeah. and it's unfolding something amazing. Because, you know, entrepreneurs, we are not just, you know, cookie-cutted and you put us there and we stay there. We unfold, you know, there are dragons inside of us and they unfold and uh, and they're bigger than nature. It, you know, we create stuff out of nothing and then it, it it is bigger than us. So there is stuff unfolding and you don't even know. And 10 years later, you go, oh my God, if you had told me 10 years ago, that I would now have this kind of scaled business, I would never believe you, right? I go from day to day and look at what's here, what I can delegate next, and this is how you scale. 10 years later, you look at it and go, oh my God, this is beautiful. This is amazing what we have created. But it starts just today. How did you allocate your time? What can you outsource, delegate, systemize mm-hmm. tomorrow? No, this is fantastic. This is this is great. This is great information. I also like how in in talking about this that you know we're we're talking about scalability but we're also talking about as we do as we do each level and we're continuing to level up and reassess and recalibrate or delegate or whatever it is that the goal is also and you've you've figured this out and you've you've made this your work that it's also at some point whether you want to sell your business or not whether that's top of mind is it a business that's saleable or sellable? I've never heard anybody refer to it like that before. Yes. My picture is the uh, the chambered nautilus. Do you know this, this creature of the sea, the chambered nautilus? Okay. He, he has these chambers. So he lives and he swims in the, in the ocean. And um, at some point, he grows out of, out of his current house, which is a chamber. And so he has to create the next chamber. But he has still to live in that house, but also to expand the house. So he creates the next chamber. So it's always is living, but it's also expanding at the same time. And it's creating the next chamber. And the beautiful thing about that is that they all, when you look at it, it's it's beautiful. It's a work of art because it follows the Fibonacci sequence, the, the golden ratio. Right. Because each chamber has a different size. They get bigger and bigger. But they have the same pattern. And that's why when you look at it, you say, oh, this is beautiful. So it's a work of art in itself. And the process itself is, is I would say, it's sacred. It's something beautiful. That's that's the creation. And, and this is what entrepreneurs do. There is a magic unfolding. And it breaks everything. Whatever you build around it, it breaks it again. And then you build processes again. And you bring it in form until it breaks on the next higher level. 
This has been an amazing conversation. Simon Severino is my guest today. Simon, what uh, what would you like to pass along to uh, to the audience? What what resources or what can you what can you share with them today? The things we share, like the daily habit, people can download them for free on our website, strategiesprints.com. And so they they will find the daily flow, for example, which is this thing where you write down your time and you find out what to delegate next. I would assume if you if you download the tool and use it for three days, you will have already some learnings about where you are and what to do next. And if you want to go even deeper, there is the Strategies Prince book on Amazon where client stories and all my checklists and all my blueprints and 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 all those tools are shared very openly. I, I did write the book with a lot of dedication. It is on Amazon right now, Strategies Prince. Well, that's fantastic. And at some point you figured out that it was time to write a book. See, this was part of the process, right? That you went through and yes. you, that that's fantastic. Uh, we'll make sure all of those links, including the links to the book are are in the show notes. So you can refer to that after the show. Simon Severino, I'm just so inspired by what you've shared. I know, you know, I've worked with coaches over the last seven or eight years in business, both as a speaker trainer, now as a podcast strategist, and I've heard some very new ideas today. And some, some, some have been reinforced, that's for sure. Before I let you go, though, and thank you for being my guest today. Before I let you go, though, final thought. Right now, since we are moving into a recession slash stagflation, slower growth than usual, what counts right now is really resilience. How can you increase resilience? One thing is to go through your cost position. Think of your top three cost positions and think how you can move them from fixed costs into variable costs. So when there is more work, there is more cost. And when there is less work, there is less cost. When there is zero work, there is zero cost. This is the most resilient cost structure that you can pick. And for example, if you have a PR agency, you pay them for performance, not per time. If you have a contract with a marketing agency, you pay per project that they land, not for awareness uh, clicks. Whatever it is that you are doing, think how you can raise the resilience because you, you might scoop up some of your competitors in the next years. Uh, at a very cheap price, but you want to be in a position where you can do that. So you have to take your cash flow uh, quite seriously. And so that's maybe something something to share. Great, great input and great advice. Thank you so much, Simon Severino. It's been a great, uh, great discussion. And again, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Keep rolling. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking.